You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 24th of January 2021. This week, Paul talks to Kevin Hudson, writer for stage, screen and television. He talks about going back to his poetry roots and working with the likes of Carol Ann Duffy. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Weekend Wind Down, and it's time for the Waffle Hour, where, as you know, each week we speak to somebody who works with words, and we've spoken to everybody from from playwrights to poets to theatre directors to publishers last week. But today uh, we're speaking to somebody um, who has a, well, a CV as long as your arm, quite frankly. Uh, He's written for television, uh, most notably some very small show called Coronation Street. Uh, He's written for well-known comedians. He's published poets. uh, And in 2018, he was the Laureate's Choice poet, and we'll delve into that in a little bit more detail. He does workshops for schools with the Prince's Trust, uh, and he now, as well as being poet in residence at the Square Chapel Theatre in West Yorkshire, um, he now lives in Halifax. And he joins me this afternoon, Keith Hudson. Good afternoon. Hello, Paul. You've done your research. Yeah, well, that's, you'd... that's brilliant. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 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 every now and again, I prepare for this show. It's uh, it's 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 few and far between. You'll be I'm not, I'm not prepared for it. <laughs> There you go. It's going to. It's nice when uh, when the presenter knows you better than yourself, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It could make you a bit paranoid, actually, couldn't it? But yes, it's 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 quite a good feeling. <laughs> oh, it's it's lovely of you to join us this afternoon, Keith. And uh, I mean, we're going to try and unpack some of all of that. I mean, I, I squeezed it into maybe twenty seconds there, but uh, I, I I'm really hoping you're going to give us some of the details on some of these things. Uh, and now, now, first off, let's let's clear out. You you are over in Halifax, so you're across the border there i'm across the border yeah born and bred in manchester mm-hmm. um moved to halifax about 10 years ago so i'm an incomer um and uh, i still can't I, I i still have difficulty understanding some of the words but <laughs> i'm getting there yeah, yeah. well yeah, look i i has having lived here for 15 years now in the valley um and i i came up from not round these parts i'm worse i'm a southerner so uh right. and uh, i I, yes, right. I, I was once told by somebody in Ramsbottom that uh, that you're not local unless you've lived here at least 50 years. So um, I, I got quite a way to go. Um, now, your writing career has, has, has spanned the decades as well. Uh, you've been you've been writing for for a long time. Uh, and, and and what I love is that your work, it appears that you've gone for a sort of transition of, of changing styles and the, the sort of things that you write for. Um, I mentioned very at the top there uh, that you'd, you'd written for Coronation Street uh, and uh, well, no, do, do you want to talk about some of that work yes of course yes yeah that was back in the stone age <laughs> was, you, you do it with chisels is that on a bit of <laughs> <laughs> I, I was um i was a young man um um in my um early to mid 20s and um i uh got taken i i i i did I, I wrote a channel four sitcom mm. first night which never got on because the video company that was going to make it in manchester um went bust no the yeah so it was sort of like yeah but it was a good experience because i was taken on to be part of the writing team of of this sitcom by um a writer called leslie darbin Hmm. who um he was a very established writer um i never met him but we talked a lot over the phone um and um he'd written the avengers and 
a show called Randall and Hopkirk Deceased. My goodness gracious that. me, yes I do. Um, yeah. yeah, very successful 60s um, show. Um, he'd been script editor for Bergback starring John Nettles who oh, went on to um, um, perhaps more dubious fame in Midsummer Murders. Mm. Um, um, but yeah, Leslie, and he, he'd also written um, a couple of um, West End hits as well there. Um, 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 Who Goes Bear and Two and Two Make Sex, which was one of them. I don't remember, I don't know which one um, was a vehicle for Morgan Wise, apparently. Anyway, Leslie had seen some of my, well, I was sending stuff off all over the place and mm. some of it on Leslie's desk and um, he liked it and um, um, I became part of a script writing team for this um, um, sitcom um, we, and and it was full of the great and the good and then me um, I mean there was um, um, Dennis Spooner who was an old Avengers writer as well there was um, the guy who did Boys from the Black stuff and um, you know very, very, I've forgotten his name I've forgotten his name what was it what's his name Boys Alan, Alan Bleasdale Yes, Alan, Alan Bleasdale, that's so, right. Yeah. I was going to say, so you, it sounds like you cut your cloth in amongst some, some fairly well-established writers. Well, there was Colin Welland as well, who, who wrote Chariots of Fire. And um, so, yeah, it was, it, it was a, a terrifying but good experience for me. Um, and I've been writing since leaving school, really. I went to a secondary modern school and um, I had a, a, um, a, um, an outpost publications poetry pamphlet published when I was 20 um, and um, coincidentally Caroline Duffy had her first pamphlet published by Outpost as well we have since discovered chatting to each other. We will definitely um, get on to the world of Caroline Duffy in, in, in probably in the second part uh, of our interview I should imagine. <laughs> yeah but, but anyway anyway, so th this thing fell through, it wasn't the fault of, of, of the script or anything, it was just the way it happened and um, it was just life, and but Leslie said, "Why don't I apply to write for Coronation Street?" So I did, um, and um, I've got myself an agent, Roger Hancock, who mm. was the late great Tony's brother. Um, Tony was, of course, dead um, by then. Yeah. Um, but because I had this agent, um, I got an interview at Coronation Street with Bill Podmore, um, who was the producer at the time. And um, they gave me a trial script, and they liked that. And so, yeah, I did some scripts and storylines for Corey for a while. Um, it must be quite a long-term writer, but but, yeah. but it was um, it was great experience. Yeah. It must be quite yeah. intimidating because we've spoken to a couple of actors who've worked on Corey um, over the over the sort of the, the time of doing the interviews here, and uh, they've said that they've said that the moment that you you are part of that team, you're suddenly very aware of the history behind it, and you know that you're you're tapping into something that's almost you know, it's part of the nation's psyche, isn't it? You, 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 do you feel a sense of responsibility when you're working on a project like that? Yeah, it was it was a bit overwhelming, um, particularly as I was so young. I mean, I remember I went to my first story conference and they have this big table where they, which they all sit round in one of the rooms there at Granada and uh, there was a chair in the corner and I went to sit in that um, <laughs> because everybody was so much older than me and... Um, and I, I, I didn't kind of feel as though I was worthy of sitting at the table. Um, and Mervyn Watson, who was the... I think Bill Podmore was the executive producer. Mervyn Watson was the producer. He said, no, Keith, come and join us at the table. Oh, right, thank you. Yeah, so, you know, I did. But, yes, it, you, you, I was very aware. I mean, Corey, I used to 
pretend I liked to watch it as a kid because it, it, it enabled me, it, it gave me permission from my parents to stay up for half an hour later, of you course. know. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember when I was very young, it being black and white and Nina Sharples and Annie Walker. Annie Walker was still in it when I was writing for it, actually. But it was an in, it, it is an institution. Maybe in those days it was even more of an institution. Yeah, and of course. I say that. Yeah, we're, in, we're, we're in that. Only, only three channels in those days. There were only three channels. I mean, it was only on twice a week in, in, in those days. And so the, the, the story conferences were once every six weeks. Um, but I say perhaps it was more of an institution then because it was a very, very character-led drama then with a lot of light northern comedy in it. I mean, Benjamin called it the, uh, you know, a latter-day Pickwick Papers. And <laughs> um, um, I, I think perhaps... It's still distinctive, but I don't think it, it is as, as distinctive as it was then. And, of course, there was very little competition, you know. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's almost chalk and cheese looking at the, the, the show that's, that's running sort of, you know, almost continuously now. And, the, and the, you I know, like so, you say, the, yeah. the, it was the main yeah. source of drama for, for people sort of during the, yeah. during the week. Um, right now, yeah. we're... We're going to have to crack on, uh, Keith, just because we've got yeah. uh, we've got you've got some brilliant music choices for us this afternoon. We always asked our guests uh, to pick the playlist for us, uh, and you've got to kicking us off with a bit of credence. Uh, where did you? Um, I am. Yeah. Mm. Why have you chosen this track? I love it. Simple as that. Um, credence Clearwater Revival. I got an LP. I bought an LP again years ago, um, put called um, Cosmos Factory. Um, <laughs> And um, that got me into Credence, and my sister, who, who was 18 months older than me, was already into them. And I, I just, I, I, I think they just came along, said what they wanted to say, and got out. But John Fogerty, I think, he, he was an incredible songwriter, and I just loved the the basic, but at the same time, quite sophisticated rock that they that they churned out. And Bad Moon Rising is just a great song. It's a brilliant tune. Here it comes. Dedicated to the Rossendale Valley, this is your very own Rossendale Radio. Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. It's Paul Jenkins here with the Waffle Hour. My guest this afternoon is Keith Hudson, uh, and we've been talking about Corrie in the first instance and TV writing and uh, an amazing array of writers you've had the experience of working with. Um, but I'm looking as well at your your turn to poetry, uh, particularly in the last few years. Uh, you've had uh, uh, pamphlets published, uh, and we mentioned earlier on uh, that you your work with uh, the Poet Laureate herself in 2018, uh, Carol Ann Duffy. Uh, do you want to talk Talk us through your your uh, sort of the world of your poetry, Keith. Well, it was a return to poetry, really, because I um, I had a pamphlet published by Outpost mm. in um, 1978, and then I kind of got kidnapped by stage writing and TV and <laughs> things like that, and writing for comedians. It was the bright lights; um, they lured you in, didn't they? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, but sort of not. No, definitely not. No, very. Uh, <laughs> Sort of, it, it it would be considered in the poetry community somewhat lowbrow, I think. But um, <laughs> um, but uh, I don't care. Um, the um, but um, I had an opportunity to do an MA um, at MMU, Manchester Metropolitan mm-hmm. University, where Caroline is the director of, um, of the of the writing school, an MA in poetry. Um, I just did it for the hell of it, really. I mean, I've I've, I've never stopped reading poetry and really never stopped writing it. But um, uh, I started to send work off, as do all poets, to journals and competitions and things a few years ago and did quite well. Um, and so I decided to do this MA, out of interest, really, pure interest. But Caroline 
was great with me. She she liked my work, and um, um, I still tour with her now. Uh, obviously, not in COVID times, um, yeah. but um, we've become great friends. In, in fact, she was my support act when I launched Baldwin's Catholic Geese, the Blood Act book at the Square Chapel, and I um, read with a. Queen Elizabeth Hall, South Bank, um, the British Library, Ledbury Festival, all over the place. She at the Edinburgh Festival. She just keeps inviting me to read with her, and um, we've become great friends. Um, I, I tell you what, though, that's that's quite a thing, and and it's interesting you say about reading with her because having seen Caroline Duffy a couple of times, but actually once at MMU, uh, for, it was a, a kind of uh, a celebration of some of the writers on the on the writing course there, the the MA yeah. course she was talking about. Um, she's she's very much of the, or she she said then that she's very much of the opinion I wrote this, and therefore I will read it to you. She doesn't she doesn't perform. It's not it's not big. It's not outlandish with gestures and facial expressions she reads her poetry to you is that something that you took from her is that your style no oh, i've just lost you for a sec there keith keith what i'm going to do i'm going to try and call you back in a second uh we, we're just going to what we'll do is we'll just go to uh, keith's second music choice now and i'll see if we can get him back on the line in uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll retry the line for you um and uh, what we'll do uh, is we're going to play uh, a little bit of uh, he's gone for a little bit of a classical connection uh, and this is uh, for the early evening we've gone for morning this is Greg Edward Greg with morning like us on facebook facebook.com slash rossendale radio and follow us on twitter at rossendale radio proud to be your local radio station 104.7 rossendale radio lancashire there you go. That was a contrast, wasn't it? That uh, we had technical difficulties and then we went straight into Grieg's morning. Uh, and uh, I, and uh, my goodness gracious me, what a, what a great choice, Keith. We've managed to get you back. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, yes, well, just, as, as we've done things backwards, uh, what, so, why, I mean, uh, it's a beautiful piece of music, but why did, uh, why did you choose morning? Because when I was a child, uh, we had a gramophone, but my parents had very few LPs and one of them, was um was um Grieg's Peer Gint Suite. Ah. And I, I, I just liked it. I used to play it a lot. Um with as that and um my dad had um a record called The Legion's Last Patrol, which was an instrumental orchestral um um tune uh, uh, and he was in Africa in the war and I think it reminded him of, of those days um and uh, there was the Glenn Miller soundtrack as well and uh, so those three records were played continually by me and um I I'd, I'd I'd like to say that it fostered in me a great appreciation and knowledge of classical music it didn't but i still like it oh yeah and and yesterday afternoon when, we, when uh, you sent your music choices through i had a very chilled out afternoon i found a very nice video o- online of of, uh, of this particular thing and somebody just setting a lot of sunrises to it i'm just w- oh, watching great. and it was a bit uh, it was the most chilled out five minutes i think i had yesterday it was lovely <laughs> yeah yeah good good well we all need we, we all need one of those at, at, at least once a week yeah yeah. Now we were in the midst of talking about um, uh, Caroline, your work with Caroline Duffy, and uh, and and particularly about performance style, and then then the yeah. the gremlins got into the phone system. Um, so yeah, so tell us about that sort of experience of of, of your performance style, how you deliver things. Well, 
Um, Carolyn and I are very different in that, yes, she 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 is quietly commanding, and uh, <laughs> somebody once said about her that she attracts attention without seeking it. Um, she's got a great presence on stage. Um, I tend to be a bit more noisy than that. Not not not. I'm not a performance poet. Please don't think that. Um, um, not that I have anything against performance poets, but I I I, I read and memorise a script. Mm. Um, and um, throw in a lot of what might appear to be ad-libs, but they aren't. Um, and um, I'm more sort of bouncy and, and jokey than, than Carolyn, although a lot of the poems that I do read, they might be quite funny, but they've also got quite a dark side as well, because yeah. a lot of these people led very un, un, unhappy short lives. Um, but yeah, we're, we're very different, and I think she likes that that, that kind of counterbalance but she's been very very good to me and um we have become great friends and um um uh she said that the tours will continue once covid's out of the way which is great to hear and uh, she she recommended me to blood axe and she's just been she's we've become great pals she's she's marvelous yeah and a great ambassador for poetry and and uh, if that's it you're referring to, to blood axe books who are your publishers and uh, and I'm, i was having a browse through as well this i mean some of the the writers that uh, that you're alongside here even is uh, bernardine evaristo is, uh, who of course won the, the yeah. booker prize just you know just last year uh, sorry yeah. sorry it's two years ago now I, it's kind of like yeah. i skipped over 2020 now it's just it's not in existence yeah. anymore well yeah yeah <laughs> could be the best thing to do it, probably the best way to go about it but, but you know you it, it's you know you really are sort of in the in, in the a-list we are talking about of british writing which is which is absolutely wonderful um i don't suppose you've got any of your uh, work to be able to share with us this afternoon yeah i've picked one out hmm. um there's a lot of um sonnets in the collection um, i'm a big sonnet fan um and the collection is full really of poems about um some famous some obscure some long forgotten some <laughs> fondly remembered um um performers from the music hall days to the present day really mm. i mean people like the Bryn Pew sponge dancers you know what <laughs> the hell a, did well, they do? Oh, my goodness <laughs> that sounds amazing the Bryn Pew sponge Mac dancers yeah macaulay's leaping infants willie netter's <laughs> singing jockeys you know i mean they're all in this book but there was one guy called william paul now william paul was born in 1820 and he was stinking rich um, born with a silver spoon in his mouth, if you like, but he had absolutely nothing to do, William Paul. He needed a hobby. Um, and um, this is what he did. And when I first read this poem in Halifax, Halifax is mentioned in the poem, um, a local historian, you know the sort, never knowingly interesting. Of course. He, 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 he booed it. Um, <gasps> but, yeah, th this is about William Paul, and it's called Bad Impresario. <laughs> William Paul, with millions to waste on battling boredom, wondered which place in Blighty had the least discerning taste. Could he unearth a town where utter tripe would be considered culture at its height, silk purses, not sow's ears, night after night? Two dozen hardened scouts were sent to scour the land. Five hundred flocks auditioned for his troop. The ten most woeful went on tour including long-abandoned novelties like Lady Clockeye, Baldwin's Catholic Geese, the Human Mop, Frank and his Dancing Teeth. From Cumbria to Cornwall, no one asked them back except the palace, Halifax. 
Wonderful. And I, it, it's I, true. All, all of these things are, I want to meet the human mop. <laughs> the human mop, yeah. Uh, well, he, 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 he was a young lad who developed the ability to, 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 to hold himself very stiff and erect while his parents um, tipped him upside down and, <laughs> and ducked his head in the bucket. So The yeah, long winter nights must just fly by, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there was no Shelley then, was there? So, you know. Um, it's just, it, sounds, it sounds like this kind of very slightly bizarre, macabre world you've, you've discovered in sort because we think of Music Hall, obviously, we think of the, you know, we think of the, the kind of very famous acts and interesting, we were talking about the circus and performers a little while ago, but it really does sound like there was the, the idea of an oddity was, was a real thing in the Music Hall, wasn't it? That, that kind of like, a, a, and you've, you've found a rich vein to write about, which is wonderful. <laughs> The, 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 there were a lot of people in the music hall um, and and in the early days of variety who could do the same eccentric act all year, um, travelling the country and never change it throughout the whole lifetime. Mm. There was a guy, George Dunan, who used to kick his own bottom uh, in time to a drum beat, and uh, he made a living out of that all his life. Um, get him on but, TikTok. Yeah. That's the answer. We need to do you that again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the the the. the, the the, the music hall wasn't a freak show, but it was akin to it in that, um, first of all, the audience were, you know, it wasn't a polite audience in a music hall. Um, um, and that tradition carried on into, um, you know, the likes of Glasgow Empire, where Eric Morecambe was once asked on a quiz show, where did Napoleon die? And he said, the Glasgow Empire. Um, um, it was a bear pit atmosphere. Um, um, it, 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 when I say a freak show, I'm not being politically not in, in, incorrect there. That's what they used to call, um, you know, the, the, these places. But the musical wasn't that, but it was full of very, very eccentric acts. Some of them absolutely brilliant, and some of them utter rubbish. The audiences didn't really mind, you know, as long as there was enough to drink. Exactly. Um, it's one of those things yeah. about rowdy audiences that, that quite frankly, and, and also in those days, it was, you know, it, it didn't matter if you got a bad review in the local press because you were already on to the next town. So it, You're on to the next town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, L- L- Little Titch was an incredible performer um, in, in his big boots, doing his big boots dance that were as long as he was tall. Um, and uh, Nijinsky called him a genius. And so there were people like that and people like Georgie Doonan who kicked his own backside in time to a drum beat are all sharing the same bill, you know. Um, it sounds absolutely fantastic, Keith, and you've and you've captured this within within your poetry. Whereabouts do, do we head if we want to uh, to to get hold of some of your work? Well, um, the, the best place to head is to Bloodaxe Books. Um, their website um, will have Baldwin's Catholic Geese um, ready and uh, available. It's also in Waterstones and quite a few bookshops as well, but. But probably the best place to go is um, Bloodaxe website. We yeah, spoke yeah. to a publisher last week and they said, as much as possible, head straight for the publishers because it means that the publishers will get a bigger cut and as will the artists. Absolutely, yeah. So, go uh, to Bloodaxe. Yeah, yeah so yeah, head to Bloodaxe yeah. Books and uh, and it's very easy to find. Uh, uh, Keith is listed under the authors there, uh, as I mentioned, uh, in fine company. Um, uh, plans for uh, 2021, Keith? Are you still writing? Have you got something in the pipeline? Yeah, I've got two more manuscripts that will come out at some stage. Uh, the book won a prize in 2020, but all the readings were postponed till 2021 because of the um, the pandemic. So um, there won't be anything coming out in 2021. But the next thing I'm 
um, probably be bringing out is a collection called Illuminati, which um, is poetry about everyone who switched on Blackpool lights. Uh, so someone's got to write it, you know. Um, yeah, that will yeah. be quite a list down the years, I should imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of a uh, lot of very dodgy DJs, I should imagine as well. <laughs> quite a few, yes, and a racehorse and a, 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 a Spitfire. I'm not wouldn't be surprised if ambassador. Mr. Yeah. Blobby's probably in there somewhere. Um, uh, no, he's not. Thank goodness. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interview. Um, Keith, it's been lovely to talk to you this afternoon. Um, we've got uh, we've got one more uh, music choice to come, uh, and uh, yeah. you've gone for I Can See Clearly Now, Johnny Nash. Yes, yes, I have, yes, because um, it, it, it's, it, it's a song that, if it comes on the radio, I'll always keep driving until it's finished. Um, it's not a particularly profound song, although the lyrics are quite profound if if, if, if you take notice of them. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, we, we all have black dog days. I've had a few in, in, in my time. And um, Gone Are the Dark Clouds That Had Me Down and, you know, Here's the Rainbow I've Been Waiting For. You know, particularly in this time, everybody is looking forward to a bit of brightness. And... Um, I just love the music. Um, I love the, the 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 musicality of it. It makes me want to tap my feet and it makes me want to sing along. What a beautiful sentiment to finish on, Keith Hudson. Thank you very much uh, for joining us this afternoon. Hopefully, we'll speak to you again very soon. Uh, we may even get you in the studio when when the, when when things allow for it. That'd be great, Paul. Thanks very much indeed. For Thanks having you on the show. Okay, here's Johnny Nash. One hundred four point seven Rossendale Radio. All done. We come to the end of another Waffle the Bite Size podcast. And my guest today, Keith Hudson, was fant- absolutely fantastic. Uh, just uh, the way that he's, he's turned his career from poetry to TV script writing and then back to poetry again. Uh, and some of the people he's worked with across the years, it's just absolutely fantastic. And I was particularly enthralled by uh, the way he was talking about his work with Carol Ann Duffy, um, having experienced her work live as well. It's uh, it's lovely to hear that, that relationship on stage that they've got together uh, and the, hopefully that they'll be uh, doing some stuff uh, in the near future as we head into 2021. Uh, now, just want to say thank you as ever uh, to everybody who's involved with Waffle the Bite Size podcast, our friends at Ross and Radio for allowing us to broadcast on a Sunday afternoon and of course to Melanie Kemp for all of her work producing and editing the podcast for you each week. We'll be back with another great guest next week.